Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight and we thank you for your goodness and your love. We ask you to take each part of the service and guide and direct it, bring honor and glory to your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Take your Bibles if you would and let's go to the book of Revelation. And we are going to begin, actually we have already begun, but this will be the first regular lesson in the text of the book of Revelation. And... Uh, We'll just get as far as we can get. I hope we can get through the first three verses tonight, and then uh, we'll be just picking up. Let's just read the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein for the time is at hand. Now as we get going through here, I have one note, but it's not on May 21st, all right? Uh, how many of you have seen the big signs on the BQE as you're driving up and down? Uh, I can guarantee you one thing. Nothing is going to happen on May 21st that's in the book of Revelation. I promise you that. Uh, you just wonder. I mean, I uh, don't mean to chase this rabbit too awful far, but you would think 1988 would have been bad enough. You would have think after 1994 and renaming the date Jesus was going to come back three different times and writing a 500-page book on the subject that he would at least be discredited just a little bit. Mr. Camping has done all of this, and now he's at it again. Let me tell you, the reason why he is not discredited is because when you turn your back on what this book says, and I know Mr. Camping says he believes the Bible, but his contradiction of the scriptures in setting dates and times is absolute evidence that he does not believe the Bible, nor do the people who follow him. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Mr. Camping says the church is dead and the only place where you're going to find the truth is on his radio station. Uh, we, we do have a word for that in the English language. It's called bizarre, uh, nuts. Uh, there, there are many definitions. And, and what we want to do is we want to be careful with the word of God. But I, I just don't understand why Bible-believing people get nervous when nutcases like Mr. Camping start advertising Jesus is coming back in May. Now, how many of you remember Y2K? Oh, everybody said, Jesus is coming back. The world is going to end. Uh, Chase Manhattan Bank is going to lose a billion dollars a second once the new year gets here. None of that happened. In fact, the quietest New Year I can remember was when it turned 2000. And, of course, there were the gainsayers out saying, well, the new millennium really doesn't start until December 31st, the year 2000. And when it turns 2001, that's the real Y2K. 
Uh, those were just people wanting to write more books. There are more books written trying to explain the prophecy in the Bible than I think about any other subject. And, and I can tell you what you ought to do with most of them. Not read them. They do look nice on shelf, and if you want to appear educated to people, you buy all those books and put them on the shelf, and you can look smart. But if you want to be smart, if you really want to have some knowledge, spend your time in God's book. And we're just going to start now. I defined some words here. And the first word that I defined is the word the or the. Uh, people have a hard time with that word. It is an article. It is... Just at the Oxford English Dictionary, it says, referring to an individual object or objects. Okay, that's all this word does. It's a pointer. It's a marker. It's talking about an individual or a unique object or set of objects. The best illustration I can give you is this is the Bible I'm holding in my hand because I'm only holding this Bible in my hand. This is a Bible I own because I own more than one copy of God's Word, praise God. Many of our forefathers had nothing but a page or maybe just one book. But let me tell you, you study the history of Jesus' church, you're going to find out they had access to the Word of God because Jesus' church has always had His words. Now, when we talk about the revelation, we're not talking about one of many. We're not talking about a revelation that is an addition to other things. And uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the commercials that the Church of uh, the Latter-day Saints or the Mormons put out. They, the last revelation of Jesus Christ. Wrong. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Any other information you want to find out about Jesus is going to be hearsay or heresy. If you want to find out something about Jesus, you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then this, and that's it. There is nothing else you can know definitively about Jesus Christ except what is written down in your Bible. How many of you remember that um, television series a couple Easter's ago? We found the bones of Jesus. Does anybody remember that? And, um, oh, it was big news. I mean, everybody was... Oh, does this disprove Christianity? Well, what they found was a box with some bones in it. And the name on the box was Jesus. But it wasn't outside the city of Jerusalem. It wasn't Joseph's tomb. It wasn't even the same time period. There was absolutely no evidence. In fact, they waited 23 years from the time of the discovery to make the TV documentary. Let me tell you why. 
because they wanted to cover up the facts and see how well they could shake people up who were only partially listening to what was going on. That little word, thee, that starts this thing out is important. It is telling us that this is the individual, this is the specific, unique revelation. Now, the word revelation, uh, I like the Oxford English Dictionary. It does pretty well. The disclosure or communication of knowledge to man by a divine or supernatural agency. That's definition number one of the word revelation. That's pretty good. That's exactly what it is. It is the disclosure or the communication of knowledge to man by a divine or supernatural agency. This means that you cannot attain this knowledge by human sensory perception. This knowledge is not gainable or knowable unless God himself chooses to communicate this to us. Of course, this agrees perfectly with the Apostle Paul. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction. And we've been through that verse many times. And then the last word here in these three verses that may be a little interesting or different is the word signified. It says here in, in uh, the end of verse 1, And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. Uh, the word signified just simply means to indicate or to make known. The information has very little to do with the messenger. The messenger is just delivering the message. That's all the word signified means. Now, um, I'm sorry, Brother Zach, this thing is still ringing. Can you pull down the volume just a little bit? Okay. Um, but I, I'm, I'm hearing a ring. Um, and I'm purposely keeping my voice down to keep the ring down. Okay, so now let's go back to verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ. So we apply this. This tells us that this is specific, unique knowledge of, that means it either belongs to or it is about. And when we look at the word of and put it in there, uh, both of these ideas are contained in here. This knowledge does belong to Jesus Christ. As we're going to find out, it was which God gave unto him, the source of this information. God gave this knowledge to Jesus Christ. Jesus has said that there's certain knowledge that he doesn't possess. Now, how in the world can Jesus be God if there's knowledge that God the Father has that he doesn't have? People want to argue back and forth about that. And the simplest explanation is this. How did Jesus die on the cross? It's because he as God willingly laid down his life as man. But you can't kill God. But he willingly laid down his life to pay the price for our sins. Amen. 
and he willingly took that life again. And so Jesus has willingly said, I do not have this knowledge. I am going to let God the Father take care of that. And God the Father gives him this knowledge. And um, let's just go to Revelation chapter 19 and verse 10. Now, just a note, as, you, as we go through the outlines here, if you see a reference that does not have a book in front of it, that reference will be in the book of Revelation. If it's not in the book of Revelation, it will have the title or the abbreviation of the book in front of it. And if you see a semicolon, that means it's the same book, just a different reference. And, and we'll have a few of those. But verse 10 of chapter 19 of the book of Revelation, we're almost at the end here. And look at verse 10 here. It says, And I fell at his feet to worship him, and he said unto me, See thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. Now look at this last phrase here. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Now, what I want us to understand here is the scope of this book as we begin our study in the book of Revelation. And, and please forgive me if it's a little tedious now, but we've got to lay the foundation work so that we're not making a mistake farther on in the book. You see, as we study the book of Revelation, there's going to be some incredible things that are going to happen. You're going to have a mountain of burning fire that's going to pollute one-third of the fresh water source on the face of the earth. Okay, uh, what are the environmentalists going to do about that? I'm just, uh, they're going to have problems. And it's real easy to get chasing tangents and trying to figure out what the mountain of fire is and trying to explain how that it mimics the results of a nuclear explosion and, and how did he could, the Bible is prophesying of nuclear warfare hundreds and thousands of years actually before the first nuclear weapon was developed and this proves the Bible. Please. God does not need nuclear weapons to get done the things that are in this book. God may choose to use them, yes. But... The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And that is what we are looking at here in our study is the testimony of Jesus Christ. If it does not teach us more about Jesus, then we are heading in the wrong direction. That's why what is in this book and where most people make their mistakes is they go out on these crazy things. Somebody sent me a little paper that they were doing in their church and I'm not going to argue with other pastors here. But we do not need proof texts from the scripture to prove that the Bible is true. I hope that if you're here in this church tonight that you've already made a decision by faith that you will believe what the Bible says, period. 
And so therefore, what we want to do is we want to study this book, not so we can learn more about necessarily what man thinks might happen and man's explanations of the fantastic things that are talked about in the Word of God, but so that we can learn more about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? This is going to be the primary rule and ought to be because this is not the revelation of future events. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. And now, Brother Zach, you, you just got to pull this thing down. It is irritating the fire out of me and I can't even hear myself and think on the message here. Um, I'll make sure everybody hears. But let's uh, move on here. God the Father was giving it to Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him. God gave this knowledge, this revelation, this communication that we have no way of gaining except God give it to us to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. Now, God has given this information to Jesus to pass it on to his servants because he wants to show us these things and the Bible uses the word shortly come to pass. Now, uh, I always get a little frustrated when people start talking about creation and they say, well, you know, a day is a, with a thousand years with the Lord and a thousand years is a day. And so we could have four and a half billion years of world history in agreement with the book of uh, Genesis. Now, if you can do that, you know, I, I, we ought to send you down to Washington, D.C. and let you work on the national debt. Amen. Uh, try to figure out how to combine all of that into seven days. And, and you, I mean, the Democrats, they just love you. Wouldn't have to raise the debt ceiling for a hundred years. Uh, that's not where we're going. But the book of Revelation was written about 100 A.D. We're now in the year 2011. So 1911 years, make the math very simple. Could that be considered short in God's time frame and God's understanding? Do you think that might be what that verse is referring to? As a thousand years is one day and one day is a thousand years. Uh, I think that that is a much simpler understanding of the scripture and much more in agreement with what the Bible is teaching that God gave us this thing and it is going to come to pass when he told Eve that her seed would crush the head or bruise the head of the serpent. That was about 4,000 years or so before the time that Jesus was born. God's time clock is not our time clock. And what we need to understand and what we need to do is realize that when God says something is shortly going to come to pass, it's going to happen. These things that are written of in this book that are revealed in here are really going to happen just the way 
the Bible says. Now, if you read any Bible commentaries that date back uh, 75, 80 years, uh, let's go back even into the 20s, actually, and, and into the teens before we had all of this radio and satellite and all of these things. In the book of Revelation, it says that the bodies of the two witnesses are going to lay in the streets of the city of Jerusalem for three and a half days, and they're going to be viewed by all the people of the world. Now, before satellites, that'd be a pretty hard passage to understand. Now, you pull your phone out of your pocket and push a couple of buttons, and you can watch anything via the Internet that's going on anytime in the world almost instantaneously. Um, sounds like God was right. And people will find those things, but... I don't use that to prove that the Bible is true. It just helps us understand the things that are going to happen in the Bible. Do you see the difference? I, I hope I'm bringing that out. God is going to tell us these things and show us the things in this book so that we can know more about who Jesus is. Now, there are certain things that God doesn't want us to know. I want you to go with me to Revelation chapter 10 and verse 4. And it says, And when the seven thunders had uttered their voices, I was about to write, and I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered, and write them not. Now you say, well, what did those seven thunders say? Well, right here God says, You are not going to know. I want, John, you heard what they said. I want you to seal it up. I don't want you to tell anybody what they said. Well, what's the significance of that? It's just to show us that there are certain things that God is not going to reveal to us. And all the curiosity in the world is not going to help you find out what those seven thunders uttered. You're going to have to wait until, hopefully, you'll be saved and on the heaven side of things. And you'll hear those thunders and under, understand what they say. And if you're not, I don't know if you'll hear or understand what they say, but apparently it was of a degree that God just did not want us to know. I would think that probably pretty bad stuff, wouldn't you? And so God has saved us from the knowledge of certain things. Aren't you glad? Just stop and think about this. How many of you have been saved at least five years? How many of you are glad that God didn't tell you everything that would happen in the five years since you got saved? Aren't you glad about that? You see, 
God withholds knowledge from us that is not going to help us serve Him. He gives us everything we need to know about Jesus Christ. Everything we need to know in order to serve God, He is going to give to us. And so again, we just want to uh, touch on this from a little different angle. The knowledge is given unto us so that we can know more about Jesus. There are certain things God's going to withhold from us. And when God withholds something, don't worry about it. You know, someone, I think it was one of my professors even said this in Bible college, said there are just certain things you're not going to understand about the Bible. And you're going to have to make a choice. Can you trust God with your lack of knowledge? Or are you going to have to wade out into the realms of heresy and trust your own mind to figure something out that God never intended you to know? And you know, that is the root of so much of this foolishness. I mean, I've heard sermons preach on the identity of Antichrist. I've heard sermons on the identity of the two witnesses in the book of Revelation. I've heard about the Russian armies that are going to come down in the... Uh, and this and that, and, and uh, I, I even heard somebody touch on a sermon about 20 years ago about how Muammar Gaddafi is going to figure into the book of Revelation. And You know what? I don't, I don't think God is impressed with that kind of preaching. In fact, if you go back to the 70s, there were some preachers, and my wife will remember this, the hammer and sickle is going to fly over the White House and all of these things back during the Cold War didn't turn out that way. We're not prophets in the sense of knowing the future. God does not give us that knowledge. He's telling us things that are going to happen in the book of Revelation. And if we'll follow what's written down, we'll know more about God and more how to serve him. Let's get back to chapter 1 here. It says that these events must shortly come to pass, and he sent and signified by his angel unto his servant John. Jesus used an angel to pass on this message, and the, name, and the term angel is an interesting term. Of course, most people think of those beings with wings that float around and some people think of little naked babies flying around and, and all of those things are not angels. Anytime you hear an angel mentioned in the Bible, you are looking at a figure that is like unto a man. Now some of these angels have incredible power. God sent one angel in answer to Hezekiah's prayer that killed 185,000 men in one night. The angel that came down at Jesus' tomb picked up a 4,000 to 5,000 pound piece of rock and tossed it out of the way. Um, you hear people talking about chasing demons around with shotguns and looking for him here and pronouncing anathema and all of this stuff, stay away from those people. If you ever met a real angel, 
it would scare the living daylights out of you. Read the stories in the Bible. The angel that appeared to Mary, what were the first words? Fear not. When the angel appeared to Samson's uh, mother, uh, fear not. Uh, Gideon, fear not. All of those things. Angels are not people all the time. Though when we get to the letters to the churches, the word angel is used as a term of the messenger is what the word itself means and it refers as best we can understand to the pastor of the individual church. He's supposed to be the messenger of God for that church. And when we heard the angel's message, we already read Revelation chapter 19 and verse 10, he said, I am thy fellow servant and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So the angel that was signifying could have been a glorified saint. We do not know. But he was the one that God gave the message to who in turn gave the message to John. And John, of course, we'll go through this part very quickly. He was an apostle of Jesus Christ. He was an eyewitness of his ministry. You read Acts chapter 1 as they had gathered together the apostles after the um, ascension Uh, The first thing they did was they said, we need to replace Judas, and here's the requirements. It's got to be someone who's been with us from the baptism of John all the way through and an eyewitness of the resurrected Christ. And so John saw Jesus get baptized. Peter says, I heard God speak from heaven. And give testimony that this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Peter was there. Chances are John was there. He says he was. Right here is giving testimony to that. John was one of Jesus' intimate disciples. In fact, when John wrote his own testimony uh, in the gospel of John, he referred to himself as the disciple that Jesus loved at the Last Supper. Instead of reclining on his pillows as was customary, John reclined on the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing improper about that. It was just he was a person of great affection and he was the only disciple that was an eyewitness of the cross. All the rest of them were hiding somewhere. Peter was out somewhere weeping bitterly because he had denied the Lord. John went with Jesus into the palace of the high priest and from the cross Jesus told John to take care of Mary from that point on. And it is apparent that John took care of those things. And we have several references in the book of John that John said, I wrote these things so that you could believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Jesus, John said who bear record of the word of God. John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the, what's the word? The word there is word, capital W-O-R-D, talking about the living word. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. He was also bear record of the written word. He said, these things are written that ye may believe 
on, the, on Jesus Christ and believing you might have life through His name. He just told us the things that Jesus said. How many of you have ever sat down and read through the entire Gospel of John from John 1.1 to the very end of the book without getting up? Has anybody ever done that? I, I recommend it. It is something that will help you. Um, it's just to read the whole story. It'll take you about an hour, hour and a half. But how much time do you spend reading the newspaper? I mean, I, I don't watch TV, so I have no idea how long the evening news is, but isn't it still about an hour long? Could you imagine how many how much better off you would be reading the Gospel of John than watching the evening news? Um, with Walter Cronkite. Now I've dated myself, haven't I? But the simple truth of the matter is, how much of the evening news gets corrected the next day or week or month? This doesn't need correction. Read the testimony of Jesus Christ. How many times he said in the book of John, I am the God of this book. Those Jewish religious leaders picked up stones to stone him on several occasions. They accused him of blasphemy. They plotted his death. They did all of these things. And yet Jesus said, I willingly lay down my life that I may take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. This is the testimony of Jesus Christ. And then he tells us here, and of all the things that he saw. Now John is going to see some things in this book that are going to defy human explanation. He is going to describe some things that I've, I have read where people have gone by and they said, oh, the locusts coming out of the pit are attack helicopters. Well, if you can figure out how to make a, an attack helicopter that will fit in the palm of your hand, I just might believe you. But locusts are small. And they talk about some things like has the hair of a woman and the face of a lion and, or the teeth of a lion and the face of a man and a body like a horse and a tail like a, uh, uh, and, uh, like a scorpion. And, and um, I've, I've read where people, well, that's a Bradley fighting vehicle. By God's grace, we're not going to engage in that kind of foolishness. We're, we're just going to leave John's descriptions where John leaves his descriptions. Amen. And the simplest explanation of some of those strange things is this, that he is talking about demonic beings that we cannot see or perceive. And I'll tell you what, you ran into things, anything that looked half what those things that he describes, and I'm glad I'm going to be in heaven on the other side of this thing. Last of all, we come down to verse 3, and there is a blessing here. Now, we could take time and go through the Bible 
Blessed are... Oh, man. I cannot believe it. I knew if I didn't write it down. Psalm 119, verse 1. Let's go there. If you, if you don't have it memorized, I have it memorized, but the brain is just not working tonight. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. There are many places in the Bible. We could go to the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are they that mourn. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are they that suffer for righteousness sake. They go through all of these things. The same thing here is there. Blessed is he. There are blessings that God promises us if we'll read. So we're going to read verse by verse, phrase by phrase, the entire book of Revelation. And I'm not going to tell you when we're going to get done because we're going to take our time and just go through. Last time we went through, I think it took about 34 lessons, which at this point would probably, with holidays and special occasions, would put us somewhere around next February. But we'll just see where we come out. But it's more than just reading. Because it says, and they that hear the words of this prophecy. Faith cometh by what? Hearing. And hearing by the word of God. It is a blessing. It says, John, I mean, James tells us that there's a, um, it's not hearers only, but doers. And that's what's implied here. It's taking note. It's allowing the words of this book to alter the way that you live. You want blessings. That's where you get them. And the last part is, and keep those things which are written herein, therein. Now, when Jesus writes letters to his churches, there are things that he expects our church to do today in response to the letters that he has written. Of course, we know our history. We, we don't have to go very far to find churches that have the right name. And if you were to look up their history and their doctrinal statement, it would be the right doctrinal statement. They say, we believe the word of God is inerrant and without error. But then they have 40 different versions in the pews. Now, how can God's word be inerrant, given to man without error, and have 40 different versions of the same thing? I mean, I got in trouble for giving two different versions of the same story when I was a kid. How many of the rest of you got in trouble for that? I mean, my mom had a word for it. She called it lying. And uh, there are places where the gospel was once preached that's not preached anymore. Those warnings are there in this book. Jesus gave them to his church, and if his church doesn't pay attention, that is what is going to happen. He told the church at Ephesus, we'll get there in a couple of weeks. He said, if you don't return, your candlestick gets taken out. 
Does that mean the building disappears and all the people just go poof? No. The building stays. The people stay. The Holy Spirit leaves. No longer a church. Those warnings are real. And we need to keep them if we want the blessings of God in our lives personally and in our church. All God's people said. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you and we thank you for this book. And we ask now that you would help us as we begin the study of the book of Revelation. Lord, we ask for wisdom to pursue those things which will give us a greater knowledge of you. We ask for uh, wisdom and discipline to keep from pursuing those things that will not give us a greater knowledge of you. Lord, we ask that you would teach us and that you would open our eyes and our hearts to the things that we ought to keep in this book. And Lord, that we would hear these words, not just hear the words in the sense of our uh, sense working on them and being recorded in our mind and processed, but Lord, actually hearing them with a heart, with the understanding that only the Holy Spirit of God can give us. Lord, we ask that you would make us faithful till you come back to get us. In your name we pray. And before we finish that prayer, we'll just keep our heads bowed and our eyes closed.